Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first of hopefully many episodes you're going to find here on the Roar to Heaven feed. I am your host, Kat, and I am here to interview the reason for the season. It's Spencer Campbell, the creator of Lumen. That's me. I'm Spencer Campbell. Absolutely. I'm so glad to have you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so, so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So for those of you who don't know, Lumen is the SRD or system resource document that forms the backbone of a lot of really excellent games, including Blazing Him, the game that we're going to be playing for Roar to Heaven. So while I wrote the game, I wrote it based on his work. So I thought I'd bring him here to talk to you all today. (laughs) I'm very excited to talk about Blazing Him. Yay! So the first thing I want to ask you, and probably something that the audience is desperately wanting to know, Mm. how is Clover doing? Why are we not interviewing Clover instead? That's a really good question. Uh, I'm glad you're hitting me with the hardest questions right away. (laughs) Um, Clover is very good. She is Uh, I can see her. She's napping behind the chair, which is her favorite spot in the world. It was a daycare day for her. So she spent the day at daycare and she loves it, but she always comes home exhausted. So she'd be too sleepy for an interview right now. And we we have to respect our our guest's time and energy. Clover occasionally (laughs) takes over the official uh, feed Mm. for Gila RPGs. Yeah, those are those are my uh, most popular days. That's when people <laughs> most engage with my Twitter account. <laughs> it's, I, I mean, I can't help it. I'm drawn by Clover. <laughs> <laughs> she has very strong opinions about things, uh, and also is very cute. So she's got like she's checking so many boxes for engagement. Oh, absolutely. She'll wade right into the discourse. Dogs don't care if they get messy. Oh no, she'll she'll bite her way right through it. It's beautiful. Genuinely an inspiration, I think, to the entire scene, frankly. I think so. Like, I am inspired when she takes over. I, I'm taking notes. Like, oh, I see. That's how I should behave. <laughs> this is how I should behave in public. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Excellent. I once asked Clover as part of the AMA, who's a good girl? And her mm. response was, not her. No, no, absolutely not. I don't think Clover would ever consider herself a good girl. She is the best girl, but not in behavior. Best is in she's truly just number one in the world. <laughs> yeah. I think it's that humility that makes her number one with the fans, too. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> truly inspirational. <laughs> so, as I mentioned a little bit further up, we're here to talk about a lot of things, but Lumen, which is the backbone of Blazing Him. And for those of us in the audience who don't know, why don't you just, what is Lumen? So Lumen is a uh, a rule system that I made for tabletop role-playing games that is heavily inspired by my love of video games. Um, So I love video games, and I wanted to sort of translate some of the the action and the kind of the the snappiness of video games and translate it to the tabletop space, um, especially because I had been playing plenty of other games that either went really light on combat or really heavy, and neither of them felt right to me. So Lumen games are about embo- like embracing that power fantasy, 
but not putting a bunch of rules in the way that are going to bog you down. It's just you get a button that says do cool stuff and you just get to keep pushing that button. And that's the biggest thing players had to adjust to when I was running one shots of blazing him was, wait, I can use powers whenever. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can hit that yeah. button anytime you want. You can and should just keep pushing that button. <laughs> Absolutely, you should. And every time my players were like, something horribly broken is about to happen. I'm like, good. Exactly. Exactly. It. <laughs> <laughs> it took them a while to get into the Lumen mindset, which is mm. just this over-the-top, fast-paced action game. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's interesting. Like, I I've played lumen games with people who play a lot of video games and they're just like instantly connecting with it they're like oh this is cool i'm used to being incredibly powerful in some of the like we there's a bunch of us in the server who play destiny so we're mm. all just obsessed with this idea of like oh yeah we're invinci like we're literally invincible guardians so like what's gonna stop us and so when they play light they're like i get this right away i'm just gonna keep being incredibly cool one of my favorite Lumen games is not at all based on a, on an overtop pe uh, power fantasy because I love Monster Guts. Mm, yes, that is so good. It's amazing. And um, for those of you who don't know Monster Guts by Danielle Osterman, right? Mm-hmm. Is uh, based on Monster Hunter, which is not an over-the-top power fantasy. <laughs> True. <laughs> it is... Uh, <laughs> But it is still very much like fast paced on your toes action. And Monster mm -hmm. Guts really captures that too, which I love. You are so not invincible in that game. No. And, and like Daniel, Daniel did such a cool thing with like the cards and like having it be like an AI based enemy. Like she mm. did so many, so many cool things with that game that. That was the, that was one of my favorite things when I released Lumen is I I said, here's what I think this is for. And it's how I keep pitching it. And then people go, yeah, but here's how I'm going to use it. And I'm <laughs> always surprised, but always like so happy to see how people interpret what a Lumen game can be. Oh, yeah. I released an SRD of my own uh, and I had the exact same reaction. It's mm. just like every single time you see somebody making their own story with the bones you built. It's just a delight. It's so cool. I've, I've, I have become addicted to the idea of releasing games or things that let other people make stuff for it. I, mm -hmm. I want as many game designers to be out there in the world as possible. Uh, mostly because I know there's a billion people who are way better at this than I am. And all I just want to give them the tools to become amazing. Well, you actually made some really incredible choices with Lumen, which I think is going to lead me into my next question. The fact that you specified that powers needed to be only one line. Mm. And I didn't think a ton about this when I was first writing Blazing Him. In fact, I broke that rule a couple times. <laughs> but that's, I did break it. But I didn't even think about it. Didn't even cross my mind until I saw what was technically the first AP of Blazing Him when the gauntlet played it. Mm. And the players commented that the bare bones nature of the power made it easy for them to reinterpret the power to fit the scene. Yeah, that is, that is very, very cool that they like latched onto that and embraced it. 
yeah, I didn't, I didn't think of it. So I'd just like, no, like, what were your thoughts putting that line into the manual? Did you anticipate that it was there to leave room for growth? Or was that part of your faster, stronger, high octane aesthetic? It's a, it's a little bit of both. So folks who read my games know that my games are full of holes. That's how I describe it. Like they are not complete. Um, I, I, I have faith in the table to be able to fill in the gaps in a way that works for the vibe of the table. I could never predict how everybody wants to play or interpret a particular thing. So um, by creating these sort of punchy one-line powers, it tells you what it is supposed to do, but it also gives you this really cool flexibility to interpret it together as a table in terms of even just like fictionally how it manifests, but in terms of also just the effects of it. The Mm. other reason is that like snappy punchy power stuff where for me you know i've played my fair share of uh crunchier combat games where you get into the sort of this like analysis paralysis when it's your turn where you're just overwhelmed with all the things that you can do you've got a like 20 spells that you got to read through and they're all like a paragraph long and i just want people to get to their turn and go i'm ready to do this very cool thing and if it's just a, a, a straightforward sentence that says, here's a really cool thing you can do, it just keeps that flow going. Absolutely, it does. Um, we did not, in any of the one shots I played, and for those of you who weren't part of the the casting process, our second stage after the big party we held was to host one shots with everyone to see how they played. So I got to see a lot of different players interact with Blazing Him. And we did not have a lot of hesitation in combat. Usually when someone (laughs) took their turn, they knew what they wanted. That's amazing. And they went for it. (laughs) It was good. Good Good for them. Yeah. It was genuinely a blast to play. Speaking of your games being full of holes and incomplete. Lumen is missing something that virtually every other tabletop game SRD has, and that's out-of-combat mechanics. Mm. Lumen is, strictly speaking, a combat engine. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) So, did you imagine this as sort of a supply-your-own out-of-combat mechanics, or were you even imagining an out-of-combat part of the gameplay loop? When you made that choice? I was definitely imagining it because that's a, like, it's a huge part of the games that I run is sort of a nice balance between in and out of combat stuff. But I, I just truly personally don't enjoy mechanizing out of play role playing. Um, to me, I just enjoy the conversation at the table and just sort of us talking out whatever's going on. Pilots in these Sparks and Nova come back after a long mission. They get out of their mech suits, and I don't really need them to like roll to uh, talk or navigate their way around the city. I just want them to talk and, and move around the city and do what they want. So those are elements of my games that I run anyway, but I, I'm... I can. I really struggle to think of times in my head where I ask my players to pick up the dice when we're in that mode for a lot of the, the types of games that I play. So for me, I wanted to mechanize the elements of the game that were the exciting stuff from video games that I wanted to translate to the table that 
knowing that I could, I myself have the ability to bring the other side of it, the non-combat stuff to the table based off of what I've always wanted to like inject into those video games. Right. So like, like I said earlier, a bunch of us obsessively play over destiny and you're not there like having long fun conversations with people in the city uh, (laughs) between missions, even though I would love to do that. So what I needed to do was translate the stuff that we loved about destiny onto the tabletop, knowing that the rest of us would be able to do the thing that we've all wanted to be in destiny without needing rules to make that happen. And that was our experience with the blazing him one shots as well. I was like, everybody do a scene. Mm. just uh, do a scene tell me a scene please yeah and we got some light scenes we got some funny scenes we got some very heartfelt and touching scenes um one of my cast members when they were still a prospective cast member was just trying to bully me into going real dark in that scene (laughs) (laughs) and getting called out dylan (laughs) (laughs) oh dylan (laughs) Um, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Lumen has the three attributes that can be used to describe like anything. So, you know, I use them Mm -hmm. to propel forward the concepts of combat, but like, if you've got a, like a forceful attribute that's like, you know, used for big, powerful moves on the battlefield, but it can also be like an especially forceful or like emotive way that you're trying to talk to somebody as well. Or a quick attribute could be about lying to somebody, like trying to quickly get something past them. The attributes Mm -hmm. are still there as a way to lift up that side. I just, I know personally, I myself don't tend to have my players pick up the dice for that stuff, unless it's like super out of left field and we're not sure how to resolve it. It's almost like just a fortune roll sort of thing. Um, But yeah, I, I don't know. That's just how I've... That's how I've always played my games is we just talk until we're ready to pick up the dice when we're uh, battling some baddies. So you've seen a lot of Lumen hacks, like a whole lot of Lumen hacks. I have. (laughs) Did any of them do anything particularly exciting out of combat for you? Out of combat? Um, Well, I know there's like, so there, so one of my favorite out of or one of my favorite lumen hacks is hedge um by a couple of drakes because it's a a war against the fey and i'm just a sucker for anything that has to do with the fey mm. um and they created a whole lumen supplement for like base building called hearth so they wanted to not only like bring a little bit of that out of combat stuff but they they mechanized the whole thing I saw another sort of base building element in um, Cyber Rats by Alex Reinhardt. Um, he also added something like that uh, to it. Mm. There's There was another one in my head. Oh, well, you know, for me, I so I played a lot of Vibe Check that Josh Hitty uh, put together, which is yeah. heavily inspired by The World Ends With You. I think that's... Mm-hmm. I, I have not actually played the game that I was inspired by, but I got to play <laughs> test it anyway. Nice. But there's like a huge element of it. Like, sure, there's the gameplay loop of going on these missions, but there's like the, the fashion element because it's all about wearing like sets of clothing. And so like you're going shopping for the clothes and everything like that, that I think that that stuff is so perfect for the vibe for vibe check that I think Josh did a really good job with that as well. 
I keep meaning to get into vibe check and you've sold me so completely. <laughs> it's it's so much fun. We are um our playtests were just like I it was some of the most stylish role playing that I've ever done. Like it just sounded like Ooh. we just sounded so cool and over the top and fun with our our cool clothes fighting like concrete monsters and things like that. <laughs> Oh, that sounds incredible. Yeah, Josh does uh, Josh does great work, so I will always shout out his stuff. So, one aspect that we noticed when we were playtesting Blazing Him was that Lumen Games, despite not requiring a battle map, are sometimes, at least in our experience, better served by having one. Has that mm. been your experience as well? Yeah, I think it definitely it can it can be very helpful. Um, even not like a full blown battle map, but like what we found a lot with our Nova playtest early on was having just a quick sketch pad that would just draw out like just with lines and X's and things like that, like relative positions of things for folks to track. Um, it wasn't necessarily like a, a battle like grid but just a, a space that allowed us to sort of place some of that cognitive load of tracking where things are relative to one another. Um, I know that Adira Slattery kind of helped solve that with her game Gunfucks. Oh my God, I just realized, is it okay to swear? It's absolutely okay to swear, especially if you're talking about Gunfucks. Okay, thank God. I just realized like it's in the name. <laughs> I just said it's it. So, uh, yeah, it's Gunfucks. It's okay. Yeah. Gunfucks is so good. It's Adira's Borderlands inspired game. And mm -hmm. uh, I know that she did this cool thing where uh, she had like sort of zones and areas to represent groups of enemies rather than individual locations like that we all had to keep track in our minds. Um, so she sort of did this sort of like clumping zones and paths idea, which was really helpful so that you didn't need a map anymore. Now it was a lot easier to track in your head. Um, but I also know that there's some folks who have just started truly building straight up grid systems for their Lumen games because it's just easier. And that makes a lot of sense to me because it's a highly tact, you know, these can be tactical combat games. They just move quick. Uh, so hopefully it just means you're moving quickly around this map. Yeah. What we ended up doing in those play tests and in the uh, one shots for casting is we did a top down map of the area and we just did a layered PSD with like mm. dots to represent the characters and concentric circles to represent the characters ranges and just kind of grabbed them and dragged them around the place. And that worked out great for us. But we're going to have to wean ourselves off of it if we are going to make audio content. Yeah, you're going to have to learn to figure out that whole theater of the mind thing. <laughs> I think I'm going to have a map and just inform my players that they'll be punished if they reference the map. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Just put like, the fear of the map in them. Yeah. Like, I move to the one that's standing over by the trees and attack it. A-okay. Mm -hmm. I move to the one that's on the left. No further up than that. Not okay. Punishment. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you that's what the GM turn is for, right? It's for you to to turn it against the players. <laughs> so like you just you just threaten them with I will have a more potent GM turn every time you directly refer to the map. 
That is okay. This isn't on on our questions list, but I love the GM turn. Mm, the I GM do too. turn <laughs> has made it so easy for me to plan these one shots. It's great. Oh, it's I'm really so glad easy. you think so. Oh yeah, all I do is like, how many? How long do I want this combat to last? Five rounds. Okay, so I need to change the battle five times. Mm-hmm. Okay. Of those times, maybe three of them are going to be new waves of enemies, and two of them are going to be something bananas happening. <laughs> and that's a that's a fully planned combat right there. That's all. It's literally all you need to do, and you are you are truly set and ready to do this thing. Yeah, and it's uh, <laughs> it's so easy for a GM to plan a Lumen game. I think specifically because. The enemies are meant to be just faceless hordes. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can have one or two enemies that have a plan, I guess. And you can focus on that when it's time to change the battlefield. Exactly. Right. Like just keep sending oh. waves of mobs to the to the players so that they can they can feel amazing and cool and badass. And then every once in a while, challenge their badassery with like a an interesting enemy and then let them get back to feeling very, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And having uh, being able to break it down like that is just I need I have five bullet points I need to fill out. If you have a Lumen game in your pile of t- games to play at home, listener, and you're wondering if you can GM it, you can. Oh, you I can GM a Lumen game. I promise you you can. You you can oh, do this. It's so easy to GM a lumen game and <laughs> i'm not just saying that because i wrote blazing him so it's probably easier for me to gm because mm. of that because i handed it over to my co-producer aaron for one of the one shots she did a bang up job she That's did awesome. great she didn't have to ask me jack about the rules she didn't have to ask me anything about how to do it she had it that you is can do it too. so cool oh uh, that meant I got to play. I finally got to play my own game. Oh, what an idea. Truly, what a unique idea. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was an absolute delight. Thank you, Aaron. So we did touch on something that is one of the questions. Mm. And that is, what are your thoughts about the notion of a Lumen actual play? I think it's really Cool. And again, I'm super biased because I I made Lumen and I've made Lumen games. But I think it's like, I think it's genuinely a cool concept for a couple of reasons. Um, for me, that like, when I listen to AP, I don't listen to many APs now. I used to just consume them. Like it was just, mm-hmm. it would be 24-7 and just be on in my house. Um, and for me, for APs, what were like hitching points were when they got into combat because I would just be like, all right, kind of like, can we just fast forward through this? Because, you know, it would usually be the dragon game that people were playing. And that is just the, like, it's, I cannot listen to combat in that and feel engaged with it. (laughs) Yeah. But on the other side, kind of alluding to what you were talking about earlier, like the out of combat stuff, with an AP, like especially with a crew that know each other, it's always compelling. It's always very cool and interesting to listen to. And so I like I always wanted to just listen to the non-combat stuff in APs. And so going back to what we were talking about, er, you know, earlier about Lumen Games not having that out of combat stuff, 
I think that's totally fine for an AP because for most actual plays, like I said, if the group knows each other, there's going to be that chemistry. You're just going to get into it. Um, Mm -hmm. And now, in my opinion, we have solved the problem of like, like really slow combat to listen to Um, the kind of combat that just for me personally doesn't, I don't wake up in the morning excited to listen to D and D combat. So, but I do like video games. And so I do like Lumen games and I would listen to that. Um, So I think it's a really cool idea. And I know I'm rambling a lot here, but the the other reason I like, (laughs) the other reason I like, Lumen as the concept of an AP is that um, the way at least that I conceptualize the, the system is that it is very much based off of like gameplay loops of go out on do like a mission or an adventure or a quest or whatever and then come back debrief hang out in the wherever you are and then go do another mission so it feels to me like it's something that like could fit of a, a particular type of AP that is very episodic like that uh, I, I feel like that having that sort of structure is one of the things that could be beneficial to it as opposed to sessions that start and you're not really sure where you're going or what the plan is. Um, Those sort of episodes and APs can be also slow to listen to. But I think because there's a bit of here's the loop that a a Lumen game typically goes through, I think it lends itself to creating like consistently interesting episodes as a result. I genuinely, uh, first of all, I genuinely hope you're correct because I'm, (laughs) I am the host king of Sword of Symphonies, Mm. which is, it's an award-winning podcast. I'm basically a mastermind, but (laughs) (laughs) the pace of Sword of Symphonies is very slow. It's very Mm. relaxed. That's just our style. That's not going to fly with a Lumen game. (laughs) Yeah, that, that, that's a rough translation. So there's a part of me that's like, oh, geez, do I know how to do fast paced and make it sound good for an AP? I can do it. I can do whatever. But <laughs> um, I believe in you. I am very excited to see what it's like to play a game that has this flow to it, this like gameplay loop to it. Mm. And I think my players are feeling the same way. And the great thing about the selection process we did is that we played a quote unquote episode. We did a mm. combat. We did some scenes. That's what an episode of the AP is going to look like. So I really got to watch them as they're going to be in action. Yeah, that's I mean, that's perfect. That's so like they understand the kind of the, the loop of things. Uh, the other thing that I'll say about the loop and why I think it might be helpful for APs is for me personally, when I run games now, my games are like 90 minutes to two hours max, max. Mm-hmm. Like, I prefer a good 60-minute session if I can make that happen. Um, and so, I, you know, I used to do the four-hour sessions and everything like that. And that's also, to me, hard, personally, to listen to four hours of an AP. But if it's, a like, a tight, like, 45, 60, 75, 90-minute thing oh yeah then i'm i'm all in on it that i'm like i gotta listen to this whole thing in one sitting i gotta i want to hear it all uh so i think it also helps lend itself to it because of that as well oh yeah like a potato chip theory just like a small <laughs> crunchable episodes that you just keep putting in your mouth exactly exactly well, that is what we're aiming for with roar to heaven because 
one of our big inspirations is anime, which means mm. you've got 20 minute episodes. You've got a season of 12 of them. Our episodes are going to be longer than 20 minutes because let's not, let's not go overboard, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we're still aiming to be kind of munchable, crunchable little, little episodes. I love that. I'm, Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm sold. I'm ready. I'm ready to consume <laughs> the potato chips. Yeah. I'm also, I wish I had potato chips. Okay. I know. I need to stop using food metaphors. This always happens to me. <laughs> so do you have a lot of anime background? So this is where my nerd cred tanks. I have none. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I, it's one of those things that I just, I never grew up. Like nobody I knew consumed anime. So I just, it was never, but I guess technically, I mean, I watched the Pokemon cartoon when I was a yeah. kid. So if that counts, then I have watched anime. Awesome. Um, but I certainly have not experienced like any mecha anime or anything like that. I just, I don't have those touchstones that, so when people are telling me about what they see in Nova and they're talking about other animes, I just kind of nod my head like, okay, I'm glad you see it. Uh, I'll, I'll trust you <laughs> on that. Um, but yeah, that's just one of those weird, like cultural voids in my, my space that I just, I never <laughs> got exposed to it. Cause that was very much my inroad to Lumen was seeing um, the kind of the early stages of what would become Lumen and being like, Oh, I could hack this into Symphogear, gear. Huh? Mm, mm hmm. Oh, I yeah, can frame. <laughs> yeah, I can. Yeah. I can hack this into Symphogear. gear. Yeah, I, I must have it. <laughs> and then I couldn't have it. But then I could have Lumen. Have <laughs> then even better. Yeah, instead of hacking a game, I made one. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I'm very happy. <laughs> I love I love Lumen very much. And um, even though it was not built for me to use it to be a weeb, it um, <laughs> it did facilitate that very nicely. And uh, I'm, it did I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> it did facilitate the weebery of my magnificent, beautiful cast as well. Good, good. I want to facilitate all of the weebery if I can, even if I myself have not yet become the weeb. I think it's only matter. Like my friend, my friend Jeremy Gage is always recommending anime for me to watch. So I think it's only a matter of time before I give in to what Jeremy demands of me. And I, mm -hmm. and then I have, I just absolutely have an obsessive personality. So I know the second I find one, I'll be like, oh, this is all I'm going to do forever now. Yeah. So I think that's that's the thing that's holding me back right now. Yep. That's that's yep. <laughs> That'll happen. That'll absolutely happen. Okay. Speaking of Blazing Him and its its many inspirations, mm. indulge me in some proto-weebery. Yes. If you were playing Blazing Him with us, which hymnal unit would you play? So I was looking them over, and I'm torn between two, and I truly don't know which one I would go with. Um, I typically, I, I have like archetypes that I just lean towards in certain mm -hmm. games. Crows. And one of them, <laughs> one of them is 
the um like the long range sniper sort of thing. I do really oh. like that sort of thing. So like the archer type that you have, that's all about long range, but is also like coordination and things like that. Like that's very much my jam. Super into that. Um, so that was the one that first jumped out to me. And then I read the Garot type where it said the phrase spiders of hell. And I was like, tell me <laughs> more about these spiders of hell. The hell spiders. And then, and then I saw that it's, you know, about laying traps and it seems very kind of like sneaky and trickery and stuff like that. And that is also very much my jam. Uh, so I think if I had to choose between the two, I'm going with the garage type. That's Yay! like the archer type is like what I would normally choose. And then I read garage type and I was like, no, 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 no. This is this is number one. I played an archer in the one time that I got to play and I just went full Robin Hood with my theming. Nice. Very, <laughs> very good. fun. Archer type and garrote type, as well as their middle sibling, the bow type, are going to be in an upcoming expansion to Blazing Him that I call Ashes to Ashes. It's going to be part of the Kickstarter for Roar to Heaven. So if yes. you want to get your hands on Ashes to Ashes early, everybody, you can back Roar to Heaven. It's mostly written, so the delay will not be long. All um, the more reason I need this to fund so I can be my hell spider. <laughs> be a hell spider. I'm virtually certain that we haven't had our session zero for Roar to Heaven yet. Audience, you're going to get that as soon as I've got it. Don't you worry. <laughs> but I am 95% sure one of my players is going to be a hell spider. Yes. <laughs> so Yes, I will live vicariously through them until I can be the hell spider. <laughs> Beautiful. So one of the questions that I've written on this list is I've just written the word expansions exclamation point, which <laughs> at the time felt like I was writing a question, but I'm sure yeah. it's not a question. Um, <laughs> expansions. Expansions. <laughs> We're just excited about the idea of it. We're just excited about the idea of expansions. I... um. This is me being a weeb. All of the all of the hymnal types are based on Symphogear characters, and I realized that I missed one, or rather, that I tried to get one but didn't quite get it right. Mm. And then I was like, "Well, I got to double back." And if I'm already doubling back, I may as well just write a whole expansion. Exactly. Why write so, a small little supplement when you can make a full blown expansion? Why exactly? So I suppose what expansions exclamation point means is, <laughs> are there any really exciting ways that people have expanded on Lumen in their own expansions and in their own projects? Uh, well, the one that definitely jumps out to me is the one that I mentioned earlier, which was the, a couple of Drakes who not only released a Lumen game that I think is by and large like very much by the books lumen but then they released the uh the hearth supplement expansion that added a whole new element of base building which like it lended it lended itself to the concept of how drops worked then in the game and Ooh. like the mission structure and everything so you know i i like a gameplay loop and they have just uh slotted in another gear of that loop that i think just makes it more interesting and exciting to me rather than like slogging down or slowing down the prog um, the progress of the whole thing. Ooh. So 
I know I, I know I mentioned them before, but I have to mention them again because I'm also just a huge sucker for everything that they do. Uh, that one's very good. Um, Dyer, who uh, goes by Basilisk Online, mm-hmm. put out like just a Lumen expansion. Like it, so it's not specifically to a Lumen what? game, but Lumen Endgame. It's a bunch of tools that Dyer made for um, making like drops and boss, like like boss encounters and stuff like that. Uh-huh. How to how to develop that stuff? Um, it's it's really cool. So it's it's totally setting agnostic sort of tools for expanding a Lumen game that anybody who's made a Lumen game could use these tools as inspiration for supplementing their stuff so that that one is gets like a huge shout out as like truly a expansion for lumen rather than an expansion for a lumen game i'm literally buying it as we speak i like i must have this it's super super cool uh also kind of like um mimics the the layout style of the lumen book too which i love then so like then it kind of looks like it looks like it's part of the lumen family um, it's very, very good. I am so excited to dig into this because usually when I was designing bosses, I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants and I've been a little concerned about that, especially since we're going into an AP soon. Mm. So thank you very much for that recommendation. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I think bosses are probably like one of the the stranger or trickier things to do in Lumen because the players are so ridiculously powerful. So I think this supplement in particular does a really cool job of like encapsulating the idea of like boss phases. That's again, a classic thing that you see in video games uh, and, mm. and other media. So I, it's, it's really good tech for anybody who's working in the Lumen space. Absolutely. I was going to ask you, like, what would you do if you were to expand Lumen? But it looks like you got beat to the punch on that one. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I need to make anything now because I think uh, that supplement handles a lot of stuff. And then I think everybody who's already in their own games added or twisted it in a way that is that so perfectly encapsulates what the the vibe they're going for in their game that. I would even be worried about adding, like making any more supplements for just the concept of Lumen because I like leaving it like many things with holes so that people look at it and go, oh, this gets me the bare bones of what I need. Now let me put on the cool details that fit my thing that I want. Okay. So do you have any favorite non-Spencer Lumen rules that you've seen in Hacks? Non-Spencer rules in lumen games uh well like i mentioned before i i know i keep doubling down on some of these but um what adira did with the concept of areas for enemies with uh gunfox is very very cool um because exactly like you said it can be tricky to track like the constant positioning of where people are in the battlefield especially because if you're sending like waves of goons at the players and you're trying to track where all of these individual goons are, mm. it's it's going to get tricky. It's going to get hard. And so Adira kind of works with this sort of concept of like clumping into zones and paths that makes it so much easier for you as a player in Gunfox who have these big over-the-top guns to just lay waste to whole areas of enemies rather than individuals. 
Um, so it not only makes you feel very powerful, but it also is a huge relief on that tracking that can that can definitely be trickier for like more complex or or bigger scale fights in lumen games gunflex is in my to read pile and now i clearly need to bump it a little bit further up because this I'm, is a I, must read i'm so in love with it um and I, one of my favorite things about it is that adira has not played like more than an hour of Borderlands, I think she said, <laughs> or I, it might have even been that she hasn't yeah. played it. She might, she might have said, "I haven't played it at all," but I watched people play it for an hour, and yet, despite that, she so perfectly captured what the essence of Borderlands is with Gunfucks. It's like, how have you not been playing this game for hundreds of hours, based off of how good this game is? That's beautiful. Oh, I yeah. love that so much. It's it's very cool. There have also been lots of games that have done cool stuff with like the concepts of like gear with characters. So mm. for me, I tend to go pretty light on concepts of like gear and inventory. But mm -hmm. like Dot Brawl is all about like building a like an arena fighter and like you're quite literally like picking like head pieces arm pieces leg pieces and stuff like that Ooh. um and, and and but the cool thing is that there's all this like you're doing all of that but it doesn't get in the way of slowing things down it still feels really fast it still feels very action-packed without you feeling like you now have like a big list of inven inventory to track that's some of the cool stuff that i've really noticed is that people have managed to capture some of the stuff that Lumen definitely lacks if you come from a crunchier combat side and they bring it into Lumen without overwhelming the system and making it feel slow again. That's beautiful. So from the non-Spencer rules to the Spencer rules, mm. there's a lot going on on your end right now. I'm a little busy. <laughs> a little busy. You have, according to your Twitter, just finished shipping out Nova. So I should be getting my copy soon, right? You, if you are a paperback person, yes. If you're a hardback backer, no. <laughs> Those are still I in production. I can't remember which, but honestly, hardback sounds like my style. <laughs> it yeah. sounds like something I would do. So obviously those take a little bit longer for production. So they're still printing, but I got the paperbacks okay. in and everybody who has a paperback order, those should be either in your hands already or very soon in your hands. You've been doing some really exciting stuff with Nova that hasn't stopped with the production of the game. You've been pioneering this idea of TTRPG season passes, which is so exciting. <laughs> I love it. I'm super into the idea. <laughs> I would love to hear more about it, <laughs> please. It is an idea that, uh, calling back to my friend from earlier, Jeremy Gage, uh, and I sort of talked a lot about because Jeremy uh, is into MMO RPGs. Mm -hmm. uh, he's like super into Final Fantasy 14. And so the concepts of live video games, so games that just have like new stuff that happen every day or every week is very cool. And then obviously a lot of video games are supported by things like season passes. Um, Light, which was inspired by Destiny, has then season passes because that's how Destiny kind of continues to find new ways to keep the game interesting. 
And so to me, I think a season pass is a really fun model to try and release things for for games because you we have expansions with exclamation point here on our show notes. But sometimes <laughs> like sometimes writing a full blown expansion is a lot, right? Like it's a lot yep. of work. And it's sometimes more fun or just frankly easier for you as a designer to do sort of a drip feed of the stuff that would probably make up a whole expansion if you took the time to like do it all at once. Or you could slice it up into a bunch of pieces and just drip it out to the audience like every month. Here's a cool new piece of tech that you can add to this game that changes the way that you played it before. Or um, this the season passes worked really well for light which is where i i first did them because light is a modular game like the the core rules all fit on a single sheet of paper but you could add a bunch of extra rules to the game just by slotting in or ignoring some of the other modules that i've created so it made sense for a season pass perspective for me to be like here's a bunch more cool rules you don't have to use any of them you could use some of them you could use none of them you could use all of them and it would help you customize and create light to be the experience you wanted it to be. Hmm. So it, it fit really well with that modular tone that I had going with light anyway. But it was also very, it was like freeing for me to do it that way. Because then all I had to do was say, okay, a season's going to be four months. I'll release one thing every month. That gives me a pace of development that's way more manageable than trying to like Ooh. cram together a whole expansion in like a month or two and like get it out to people while things are still like fresh in their minds. Instead, I just kind of kept people interested in light, knowing every month here comes a cool new piece of light tech your way. Um, and again, similar to sort of how like Destiny does it, I, I themed it so. The first season pass was all about building up the player characters so that they were really powerful. So every piece of the season pass that came out was a new way to like customize the character creation or new class options or new ways for like getting really cool, powerful stuff. So that when I did my second season pass, which was all about enemies, the players had a bunch of tech that made them powerful. And now I'm going to challenge them with the second season pass. Um, so it, it's it's a cool way to like thematically put stuff together without having to put a whole expansion together in one one sort of thing and also at the same time it's a it's just a fun way to release things because you can kind of like allude to them and hype them up in like the weeks between releases you're like so you got this last thing but what about this cool thing coming up in 2 weeks um, it's it's just a fun way to kind of keep a constant drum of attention and hype going on a project. Oh, that's extremely beautiful. That's I also like your notion that there are these kind of arcs to them. So there's mm. even in a game that doesn't seem like it has a whole ton of built in lore, because obviously that's going to weigh it down. There's still this feeling of movement in an overall story. Right. Exactly. Right. Which like I can, love. Yeah, you can just suddenly bring in these like big swingy changes to like assumptions about lore and be like, and now there's this thing to consider, uh, or there's not this thing to consider. Um, but here's a new fun piece of tech that you can engage with in a way that you want to engage with. That is extremely gorgeous. Uh, I'm super into them, and I'm probably gonna bring. I haven't made one in a little while, but I'll probably be bringing it back because I'm I. 
had so much fun making them before. Mm. And that's, well, I mean, Nova just came out. <laughs> it did. <laughs> I mean, I hate the sun. You hate the sun. We all hate the sun. It's just the worst. Uh, it is definitely an idea in my head of doing like a, a Nova season pass sort of thing. I've, I've got, I've got already in my head. I'm here's my problem with Nova. I've got like ten different ideas about things that I want to do that that continue to support it, and I don't know like what what to prioritize or like what to move to a season pass model and what to move to like brand new expansion supplement model it's i i need to sit down and just like put them all together and think okay what is the path that makes the most sense that allows me to develop these and release them in a way that won't overwhelm me that will be exciting and fun and also will be successful yeah that's always the trick but i do have kind of locked away in my head a fun thing that I've really wanted to do with like Nova, I guess expansions or supplements that I think could be pretty smoothly translated into a season pass thing. So if I'm feeling, if I'm feeling sassy enough, I might do it, especially since like the, the Nova jam just started, the timing is right to, to put something like that together. So maybe, maybe, maybe the Nova jam did just start. You recently, in fact, put out the creator kit for Nova. Yeah, it's a it's a toolkit similar to sort of the toolkit that I've made for Slayers. That is mostly just like me sitting there with you at the computer talking to you about what making things in Nova feels like and then giving you some templates and stuff like that that you could use to to make stuff because I like to. Anybody who read the Lumen SRD knows that it is not a technical document. Nope. Uh, I don't like I do not write like writing that way. So the the Nova Creator Kit is very much like that. It's just, hey, let me sit down and talk to you about what feels good and doesn't feel good about Nova to me and what I like making, how I make things, and then hey, maybe you want to make something too. And if they do want to make something, it is the time for the Nova Jam. How long is yes. that running? It is going until the end of January, so just over two months. And is that open to, like, Nova hacks, new material for Nova, literally anything? It's Where anything at? anything and everything that you want to do for Nova. So if you want to make new sparks, if you want to make enemies, you want to make GM toolkits. In fact, there's already one submission, and it's... Not like a new player class or anything, but it's a cool new like rule supplement that you could use to add to the game. So um, I think there's... Oh, actually, somebody else just put something in, too. Oh, my God, there's two submissions. Oh, I have to go read both of them now. Um, But like it's it's like anything and everything that's Nova related. So uh, whatever folks like feel inspired to do towards their hatred of the sun and badass mechs, like make it. Do you have like a secret desire for something you would love to see in this jam? Mm, I have a I have secret desires only because I um I want to like if somebody doesn't make them I I'm going to have to <laughs> to make it. <laughs> yeah. Uh so like I want 
So I don't remember who said it, but somebody's on Twitter said Nova card game. And I'm Ooh. like, oh, Nova card game, you say? Because this <laughs> faction turn thing that I'm making is ostensibly a board game that supplements your Nova campaign. So we've got a role-playing game, we've got a board game, and they're like, you need the you need the card game element for it as well. So that's like sat in my head, and I have no idea what that actually means. So I'm kind of hoping somebody <laughs> else just figures out what Nova card game means, and then that just happens. All right. You heard it here first, listener. Like, I like, le- like, straight up go like a Gwent thing where it's like, it's a card game that the sparks play between missions or something like that. Like, it could be anything. Love that. So, we've talked a little bit about your, your season passes, the Nova Jam. Obviously, you're working hard on getting Nova out to all the people who hate the sun. What else is on your plate these days? Oh boy. Um I have I have kind of three-ish projects that I'm bouncing around on right now. I have a a small game that is a it's a hack slash inspiration by uh of Markout by Riley Rethel. Um mm-hmm. That I'm super into. That I'm also doing a faction turn sort of thing. I'm very much in a faction turn mode in my life right now. Um, so that's my kind of smaller project. I wanted to be this little micro game, and then I have the Light Beacon Edition that I'm working on. So Light came out just over a year ago, the first version of it, and so since then I've released a bunch of stuff through the season passes, and I want to sort of make a like ultimate version of it that combines it all and like cuts the things away that I I probably would cut now after the fact and adds a couple things and and truly makes sort of the version that is here's how Spencer Campbell plays light uh, and and make a like a big complete version of the game rather than this sort of like sporadic module approach that it's in right now. Um, And then I have Drifters, which is my... Uh, my first Slayers hack. So it is, it's a Slayer style game set in a sort of cursed Wild West setting. You are uh, cursed gunslingers, essentially made uh, immortal by your void born guns that you hold. Um, it's got all the buzzwords that I love, like void yep. and cursed. <laughs> um, yep. And it is written. And now I am in the uh, the layout stages of that. So that'll be Ooh. something that whenever it is done, it'll go up like on itch. I'll probably want to Kickstarter to get it printed, but um, all of my patrons have been getting like the early drafts of it and have been reading the rules and everything. So they'll get the whole thing whenever that comes out as well. Speaking of your itch, it is just about at the point in the interview where I ask you, where can our listeners find your stuff? The beautiful things you've described to us in the past couple minutes. You can find me. uh, The best place to find me online is uh, on Twitter, where I just shout at things and occasionally Clover takes over. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that would be at Gila RPGs or Gila RPGs, G-I-L-A RPGs. Um, that's also my itch page, so HelaRPGs.itch.io. That's where you can find all the um, digital versions of my games. Uh, if you want print stuff, I've got like a small handful of things left in print. Uh, that's at HelaRPGs.com. 
Um, I'm if anybody's going to PAX, I'm bringing a whole bunch of inventory to PAX. Uh, I have no idea when this comes out. <laughs> this is before or after PAX. I'm gonna try to be quick, but I've I'm learning stuff, so who knows? No, who knows? <laughs> I'll do my um, best. And then I have a um, there's like a link tree in my on my Twitter that like actually links you to all my stuff, like the Discord server, my Patreon, and all of that. So truly, the Twitter page is the best place to figure out what Spencer Campbell is up to. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming here and doing this interview. Thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute blast. I feel the same way. It was really <laughs> great getting to talk to you. Listeners, if you were excited at all about any of the games that you've heard about, we've talked about them by name and their authors by name. Please look them up. Everyone involved in the Lumen Hack community is just beautiful. Absolutely perfect. An angel, and not in the sense that you're going to be hearing mm. later in this podcast, I promise. I was say, that sounds like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are excited about Roar to Heaven, stay tuned to this feed where we're going to be up next with Session Zero, followed by a couple solo pieces by my beautiful cast, so you can get to know them a little better too. Once you've had a chance to fall in love with the bones of the game, the game itself, and my beautiful players, then we'll be just about ready to rock and roll. So I will see you next time. Bye! <laughs>